0: Longhorn fans, I am Trey Elling, joined alongside by Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com. And it is on Texas Football Live, where we spend Tuesday evenings talking a little recruiting, talking a little Texas, Kansas State. And yeah, we may have to discuss the first college football playoff rankings. Texas is ranked. It just surprised me a few minutes ago. I had seen the top 10, didn't even look all the way to 25, because I didn't think there was a chance in heck that that would happen. But sure enough, it did, Justin. Always a pleasure. How you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing
1: well. Uh, as I've said before, it's it's November now, so it's cold. It's, it's that cold weather. So I'm always good through this stretch. Got Astros and, and Phillies World Series on right now. Texas is, is is potentially ranked in the new College Football Playoff. We've got a big game to talk about. A, a lot to cover. Uh, with 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 uh, this Saturday's battle in Manhattan against Kansas State a TCU visitor list that's starting to grow by the minute and then some of the top recruits in this class a little bit of a review of what's going on you know got to catch up do a little sourcing and, and a little bit of info there so how am I doing I'm doing well I'm doing well how about yourself brother
0: I'm doing pretty well. We had a successful Halloween last night and by oh. successful, I mean that nobody puked from uh, eating entirely too much candy. Got a nice haul that should last us the next six to nine months and uh, everybody <laughs> seems to be in a merry mood tonight. You know, we did the same. We we, we had Halloween last night and uh, my, uh, my little man was an, a ninja
1: and uh, man, he filled the bucket up. And it was funny because we still had some streets to go and the bucket was full. He's like, Hey dad, can we go back to the car? I'm good. Hmm. Yeah, man. We go back to the car. So like you said, we've got candy. It's six to nine months. There's no way in hell that is lasting that long in this house. Uh, you know, I'm as guilty as anybody, but uh, little man racked up, little man racked up. He got some good stuff. What was, what was your, what was
0: the best candy you saw
1: from your two?
0: Well, one of our good friends in the neighborhood He is the house and his family is the house that does the full-size candy bars every year. So there were full-size, I guess, packages of the peanut M&Ms, which I definitely grabbed one, full-size Skittles, uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Fast Break. I mean, he loaded up and he's got a reputation in the neighborhood now to where even though he buys like $150 in candy, it is all gone by the end of the night. There's always that house
1: that gets, that goes, you know, you know, full size candy bar. You can't deny those people. Uh, We actually, I take Alexander to a specific neighborhood in South Tyler that is noted for um, just, just lots of candy per square foot. You can cover a lot of ground and get a ton of candy in a very short amount of time. We've tried to make this efficient. And it's almost a, a block party in this neighborhood because you've got, Two dozen people that are having little get-togethers outside, slides, monster mash is playing. Uh, long story short, we we, we have such a lot of fun time with it. He he always has a blast, and um, I think the best thing he got was he got a bunch of these Rice Krispie treats with the M and M's in them, mm. and and he loves those. And so he's gonna. I, I'm just. I have to come up with an excuse why they're going to be gone by the next time he comes home.
0: If you are watching and listening right now and you'd like to participate, please do so. Just type your question or comment into the comment section on YouTube, and hopefully we can get to most of these by the time it's all said and done. I did see somebody just a few minutes ago mention that Texas snuck in from Aaron R. Playoff committee snuck us in at 24, like we wouldn't notice. And look, I know that I have UTSD, Justin. I've seen uh, entirely. Uh, too much decent football turn into bad <laughs> football quickly uh, just because we uh, we get a little bit out over our skis. It's uh, And it's been commonplace uh, over the last 12-plus uh, years now, ever since that national championship game. So I would be okay with Texas being unranked going into this matchup uh, with the Kansas State Wildcats this weekend. But by the same token, they're showing you at least a little bit of respect. So now it's time for you to do what everybody knows you're capable of and play like you have in the first half of games for the entirety of the game, and make sure that that complimentary football continues into the second half and fourth quarter.
1: I like it being ranked because it's it's one of those things where you're 24th, so you're not really in the, the college football playoff talk. But people regard what you've done, your body of work over the season this thus far, as as being you know in that spot. So it's almost a little bit of respect. But at the end of the day, if they don't take Care of business against the state, trade. It, it, it the rankings not going to matter, and it'll only go up and increase. You know, if they do go in there and handle business, this is going to be a tough one. This is a game that even if they're playing really good football, complimentary, like you said in the first and second half, their hands are going to be full. Kansas State is, is just such a good team. Personally, uh, in the summertime, I picked K State with my with my uh, my Big Twelve media vote. I picked him to win the big 12. I thought this was Chris mm-hmm. Kleiman's year. I thought everybody had kind of everything, had, the culmination of the, of those classes and his culture had come together. And then you've got the addition of, you know, get Deuce Vaughn. Who's been just, <laughs> he's a pinball man. And you, you grow, you know, being in Austin, Texas for so long, you've known about Deuce Vaughn for a long time but running back for Kansas state and, 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 you know, borderline all American, I believe him and Bijan are number one and number two in rushing in the Big 12. Um, you know, his dad was a DB coach at Texas back in the day. And so, he, you know, he he grew up in that, in, that, in that part of the woods. And, man, you talk about an outstanding kid on top of being a, a fun football player. They've got a good defense. They've got a solid offensive line. They've got two quarterbacks that I think can get it done, either Will Howard or Adrian Martinez, whatever your cup of tea is. Chris Kleiman's getting the most out of those guys. And so regardless of Texas being ranked in the new college football playoff ranking, I think that's – if you're a Texas fan, just just, just say, look, hey, there's some people that think what you've done, the body of work thus far is good, and uh, maybe they're the same as you. They just want to see teams finish, and and then you can really start to have these college football playoff conversations uh, down the road.
0: Look, some of these uh, quantities that are on Kansas State right now were known Malik Knowles, obviously Deuce Vaughn, who is as good as advertised a defense that while banged up last year was also very physical. So you knew they'd be coming into the season, looking to lay some wood and uh, maybe a little bit better off in terms of roster depth as well it's what has happened at the quarterback position. That's been a complete surprise. And that was the X factor as you, and I don't think I had them winning the conference necessarily, but I had them as a sleeper to actually play for that conference championship game. It was what is Adrian Martinez going to give you? We saw a guy at Nebraska, that really didn't get a whole lot better from his freshman year through his junior year. And as a matter of fact, he regressed over these last couple of years. Well, it turns out Scott Frost is the quarterback screamer because uh, Chris Kleiman has done a great job of unlocking him. But he gets hurt last week. Will Howard comes in, who Longhorn fans are very familiar with. We saw him last year, after all, filling in for an injured Skylar Thompson. He that's looks right. like a completely different quarterback right now. And regardless of which guy goes on Saturday, Justin, uh, that is something to keep an eye on because both guys are playing excellent football.
1: The, and the thing you have to understand about those guys, they don't try to do more than what they're capable of, Trey. These are guys that play within the system. They play within their means. And a lot of times in sports, that's a big thing, especially at the quarterback position where you have to be a game manager. Look, Deuce Vaughn affords you some some certain things that you're going to be able to pull off throughout the game. You're going to see certain defenses where you can get away with some some underneath stuff in the middle. You're going to see some defenses where you can get things spread out a little bit and, and find those those outside rushing lanes. There's a lot there for Kansas State. They don't beat themselves. You know, it, and it's it's not much different than when Bill Schneider was there. You said last year, you know, even last year's game when they were dinged up They have always been a physical team. Matter of fact, uh, years ago, talking to one of the quarterbacks at at Texas, he had mentioned, I said, you know, coming off of a game, what's the toughest, like what's the most bruised up you've ever been coming off of a football game? And and I just assumed it was Oklahoma because it's a street fight in Dallas. And he he, he said, no. He said, actually, I'm always the most bruised coming out of Kansas State. Hmm. And so that physicality is carried over. And, and they do a great job of recruiting. They do a great job of evaluation. Me personally, you know, they come to East Texas for kids, and I'm always a big fan of guys that did that. They had a defensive end last few years named Bronson Boom Massey, who wound up being a pretty good player in the Big Twelve. And so, Kansas State's physical. Their quarterbacks do exactly what they're supposed to do. They don't try to put too much in, in, into it. They let the the system kind of run itself, and they just. They just get the keys to the car and give it some
0: gas. Embris is asking on the comment line, I believe Texas will lose to Kansas State. Change my mind, please. I think if there is a good argument for Texas beating Kansas State on Saturday night, don't love that it's a night game either because you know the uh, South, Uh, those Kansas winds are going to be a little bit more crisp and uh, that cold is going to bite just that much more. But it is that not only do you have Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who looked great running the ball last week until as Steve Sarkeesian admitted uh, earlier this week, he maybe didn't do a great job of calling the sorts of runs that they were having success with in the third and fourth quarters. But you also have Quinn Ewers who does have that first true road game under his belt. Now he was on the sidelines for the Texas tech game. So he got a taste of the environment But he was in there, and the bullets were flying, and he's going to be able to take that with him going forward. He's not going to look like that each and every road game, Justin. This is a guy who is immensely talented. He was a five-star quarterback for a reason, one of if not the top quarterback prospect uh, for the class that he ended up uh, skipping out in his senior year to enroll early in Ohio State. And it's only a matter of time before he breaks out, regardless of who that opponent is.
1: I'll change their mind. I can change their mind by week. By week, let me tell you something. If this game were to happen last Saturday, I, I, I believe you're right. I believe M breeze is correct. I believe Texas loses to Kansas state As dinged up as they were in the secondary. You have to understand last week, a lot of starters didn't practice. They, mm-hmm. they were there. They went through the drills. They went through the install. They went through the, you know, the, 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 the minutia of the, of the day, but they did not really thump There wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of hitting And so that was to get those guys healthy. That's the way to change your mind. It's Kansas. It's the fact that Texas gets two weeks to prepare for this team. I also feel like Quinn Ewers getting that game against Oklahoma State, that that stinker, I feel like that was almost a rite of passage. I felt like it was similar to when he threw the pick on the first drive of the first game against ULM. It's almost like, yeah, you got to get one of these out of your way. You got to get the stinker out of the way. And, and, and I know that sounds optimistic, but I, I know, like you said, I, I've watched Quinn Yours for five or six years. This kid is incredible, and he will not repeat what he did in Stillwater. He will come out a better player, especially now that you give him a bye week and you give him two more, you give him that extra week to work with these receivers, to get with these guys and be on the same page. Uh, Because he'll be the first one to take responsibility for it, even though he's not the most responsible for that passing failure in Stillwater. That was a uh, definitely a group effort. And so that's the way I would, I would say, change your mind. I think the coming off a bye week, I think Texas, the getting a two week advantage, I think is going to help Sark. We know they'll come out with an excellent game plan in a script in the first half. Sark has, has proven that to us in a year and a half in Austin, it's what you do in the second half. It's They've played well in second halves. They've had double-digit leads in second halves. It's stepping on the throat. A lot of times people felt like Texas Tech was there to step on their throat, and they didn't. A lot of people think that Oklahoma State was there to step on their throat, and they didn't. This team is closer than you want to believe. And so how would I change your mind? I'd say bye week for Texas gives them the uh, an advantage. Also, they have a lot of good K-State tape. From last week, they saw a they saw Kansas State play, in my opinion, at their best. Not mm-hmm. sure that program's going to score. What was it 48 points? I don't think they're going to do that again. But it, it, that's where you have another advantage, because you get to see a lot of what Kansas State may have been saving uh, along the way. And so if I'm a Texas fan, if I need to change your mind, I'm going to tell you the bye week is the advantage that Sark and these kids really needed.
0: Steve Sarkeesian talked on Monday about them needing to find a consistent third wide receiver. Obviously, that became more difficult when Isaiah Nayor injured his knee in the preseason. He's out all year long. For you, as somebody who knows this roster as well as you do, uh, who do you think the most viable option is to really step up and become that valuable third wide receiver?
1: Man, you and know, I have talked about this before. That Isaiah Nayor injury, I, I said change the directory of the trajectory of this offense for this season, because man, he was so valuable in being able to be able that outside guy that could stretch, that could go vertical, that could actually (laughs) catch up to a Quinn Ewers deep ball. That was, you know, does everything for the offense underneath. Uh, That one just, man, that one stung really bad. So you got to find a third guy. Uh, You know, to me, it's a cop-out if I say Jatavian Sanders because there's already – you know, he's a tight end. He's a starter. He does get targets. I, I, I'd i like to see a little bit more him, I think, in the mix. I think that opens up some stuff. I think he was open a handful of times in the second half, and, and he just wasn't able to get the ball. Obviously, the the drop at the, uh, at the end of the game was probably the worst. Um, but if, if there's another receiver, I think there's a couple guys on this roster that you could really – you could see do that.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I really, when he does play, I feel like he produces. And I know they really want that field stretching, lengthy type guy in Casey Kane to turn around. I just don't know if Casey Kane is ready for that that move yet. I don't know if he's ready. They had him on a really good route in Stillwater and he didn't necessarily finish the route. Otherwise he's probably wide open and can cut it up field for a score. And so there was some miscommunication on that as well. And so he's right. Sark's right. They need a number three guy just to kind of take a little bit of pressure off of worthy in in the amount of snaps or a Jordan Whittington, who I think has still played well uh, when definitely when he gets his target. So give me Tariq Milton. Um, there's another guy, Brennan Thompson, who we got to see a little burst of him mm-hmm. for the first time. And, and, and that was really exciting because you only saw him and people only saw him in like third gear. They didn't see this guy like really take off. This dude's got legs. It looks like the, the roadrunner on Wally Coyote's chasing him. Dude can go. That's a guy. He's another smaller guy, like, in, like a worthy, like, you know, that's it's more of an inside guy. But He's got so much ability and so much talent, and he's got the ultimate equalizer in that speed factor. And so for me, a number three guy could definitely be a Tariq Milton, could be a Savion Red. But I think Brennan Thompson's a kid that you put that ball in his hand a little bit more in space, you may see a little bit more of that burst.
0: Chris Connor says, any of you hear that Bijan claimed that OSU knew we had a run play on and stacked the box accordingly? Did he mention that during media availability this week? If so, I wonder if Sark will start covering his mouth with his card every time he calls a play, similar to just about every offensive play caller I see on TV nowadays. It may be even simpler than that, Justin. I think it was back during the Texas Tech game where it was... a. Uh was it rod Gilmore who was uh the color analyst on the call there and he was pointing out that whenever Bijan was going to get the football he was lined up inside the tackle position when he wasn't getting the ball when it was a pass play he was lined up uh directly over maybe even a little bit outside the tackle position I assumed that's something that they had fixed but maybe that's not the case and if Bijan is saying that you need to address that address that stat
1: yeah, I'm not sure if he mentioned it during the availability. Actually, um, you know, they didn't. Players didn't talk this week, coming off of a bye week. But I will say this: um, that's they were. That was what you call a tendency that Oklahoma State picked up on Texas. That had nothing to do with reading plays, play calls, things of that sort. Yeah, listen, believe it or not, play, kids know plays that are going on during the game more often than you think. You just, they just don't talk about it in the media. But there's plenty of times within a game where a defensive player will scream out the exact play that's being called. And it's not because of lip syncing, uh, you know, uh, the, the head coach or getting a signal from up above. It's because of, of a tendency they talked about during the during the week. And that's what game planning's for. That's what scout teams for. That's what installs for is looking for those tendencies. Texas kind of has that. I, I think I know what he's talking about. The last two or three drives against Stillwater, against Oklahoma State, it felt like they were trying to run that outside zone. And, and every time they would go to the weak side or, or the or, or the boundary side, it was getting stuffed. I want to say it's stuffed three or four times there. And you just kind of felt like they were running into a wall and they kind of knew that it was coming. I bet that's what he's talking about. And I don't think that has anything to do – with, with knowing what Sark's calling, I think these guys just understand the tendency of the game. And Gundy and those guys understand this was something they lean on in the fourth quarter. This is something they were leaning on to get that that chunk yardage to try to, to chew up the clock. And so, yeah, no, no, no player availability this week. But when he said that they ran against a stack box, that probably meant they knew what was coming. And that probably meant Mike Gundy and those guys did their homework, found a, a tendency with Steve Sarkeesian – and exploited it
0: we'll take this question from joel McWatters to begin transitioning into the recruiting chat joel says how many wins do we need to finish with to attract portal kids it's a fair question and the honest answer is the more wins the better but this is also a coaching staff that did a phenomenal job in the portal last offseason, coming off of a season where they didn't qualify for a bowl game do you want to do that again absolutely not but regardless, I think this coaching staff is going to be okay with identifying guys in the portal and bringing guys in who can contribute right away.
1: You know, Joel, I preach sometimes as well, and one thing I've started to to get up on my sandbox about is you got to leave a few spots for the portal. Uh, any wins are going to be help are going to be helpful down the stretch, especially this last month where you're starting to see coaching changes happen. Obviously, at Auburn, you know, yesterday, you're going to start seeing players jump in the portal because of those coaching changes. Obviously, I think three or four kids from Auburn uh, had mentioned that they, they were going to do that. So uh, let's just say they went they went out. They went for you know, four games. Um, yeah, the, they're going to be attractive. But the truth is they could go two and two and be attractive because there's going to be a few spots on the defense going to have to be filled by portal kids. It's it's just it's a must. There's going to be guys there that you can't necessarily find in recruiting high school that that need to be developed, that need to be impact kids immediately. They're going to have to get another safety if Anthony Cook goes to NFL, and we're pretty sure he will. Uh, they're going to have to have a guy back there beside Jaron Thompson. That's a must. Linebacker is going to have to be replaced by Demarvion Overshone. and I don't even know if you're going to be able to find one of those. But you're damn sure going to go through it and, and look in the Gary Johnson, DeMonte, Tuck, Diamante Tucker, Dorsey proviso you know you look for those guys with with mileage and, and, and talent and experience and then the d line they're going to lose a lot i think we talked about this that they're going to lose like over a thousand pounds of dudes and so that's going to be a spot i think they're going to need a guy in there just just a strong body to go with byron murphy and alfred collins and and, and, and those rising stars and so and v- vernon broughton's and so uh, yeah, any wins are, are big. They they beat Kansas State. Yeah, that looks great going to the portal. But honestly, what, what really is attractive to players in the portal is starting positions at bigger schools. And Texas is going to have that opportunity, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So regardless of win or lo- wins or losses, the fact that they're going to have some availability and some spots for uh, for some of these kids that will hit the portal in early December, that to me is the most enticing.
0: It is the strategy that Jimbo Fisher laid out really well about a week ago coming off of the South Carolina loss is that we got a ton of playing time right now. You don't love hearing your coach talk about it, but it's the truth, too. When you're talking about guys who are coming from other big-time programs who hope to make an impact up to this point at an Alabama, a Georgia, an Ohio State or the like, that, yeah, just like what Ryan Watts has done here at Texas this year, he is a starting cornerback, and he is this team's best cornerback. Most weeks now when he's hurt, that's uh, that's unfortunate and it's something beyond his control, but he is as close to a lockdown as Texas has in that secondary right now in terms of the guys on the outside. So look at examples like that. Look at uh, Keelan Robinson even and Jaleel Billingsley. I know he's just now getting back into the flow of things, but they will continue trying to find ways to use him because he is such a dynamic talent. Those examples exist across college football to a degree, but they absolutely exist on this Texas roster this year. All right, Justin, we may end today's conversation with – a little uh, college football playoff rankings, even though I only caught the top 10. It was pretty amusing listening to those guys all but admit that uh, they really didn't care about any of the surprises right now. If this was a week or two before the uh, playoff announcement itself, it'd be one thing, but uh, they've been beaten down by this process year in and year out. We will shift to recruiting now, and every week that you and I talk recruiting, it seems like we are talking two guys above all else. Now, there is an exception. When something good happens with Arch Manning, we want to get that to the people first. But uh, things are pretty status quo with Arch right now, and that is just fine by us. But how status quo are things with a couple of guys named Jonte Cook and Malik Muhammad, starting with Cook?
1: You know, got to go see Jonte Cook last week. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to always go check in at DeSoto. Uh, Coach Mathis, Coach Sweeney, Coach Williams, those those guys do a great job. Uh, one of the former coaches at Texas in the mid-2010s, uh, Kyle Coates, he's a co-defensive coordinator out there at DeSoto now. I love going out there. And mainly it's to get to see Jonte. You get to see Trey Wisner. You get to catch up with those guys. And Jonte made a pretty, pretty strong aff- uh, affirmation, hey, he's locked in. Now, will that mean he won't take any visits? No, there's a chance because he's still got Georgia. He still has Alabama. He still has uh, Oregon. He has some schools that are still coming at him. I, I, like I said, he says he's locked in and, and I actually, I believe him, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him take in a game this weekend, maybe a Georgia Tennessee game. I wouldn't be surprised to see him take in a, another game down the road, just because there's going to be opportunities to take a few more of these visits before you have to sign before it's all over with. And I think some of these kids want to lap up that least, that last bit of, of, of recruiting. You know, I'll give you another example. His teammate running back Trey Wisner, who's also committed to Texas from DeSoto. He told me he was thinking the other day, you know, I've got three official visits left. Why don't I take a few of them? You know, school's almost over. The recruitments are on. We're about to sign. And he wasn't trying to say he's looking around. He wasn't trying to say he wants to flip and go to another school or a better opportunity. These kids like the recruiting process a lot of the times they enjoy the opportunity to take official visits for people to pay for them to you know to be doted on for, for 48 hours from for some of the biggest programs in the country. And so I feel solid with Jonte, and, and and I feel even better you know once signing day gets here because he's one that you just really want to hold on to but I think he sees bigger picture Trey when I ask him you know what, what do you see in this Texas offense and he says opportunity. You know, he does, you know, he's he's a guy that wasn't necessarily, you know, what wouldn't, wouldn't blaming Quinn for the lack of being able to go down the field against Oklahoma State. He sees receivers that won't need to finish routes, they need to be on the same page. It should be working in the off season, making sure they're all, you know, they they know what to do. They're interchangeable, especially with injuries. Jonte sees the bigger picture. And so at the end of the day, he's locked in. He knows Arch Manning's gonna be the quarterback, he knows Cedric Baxter is gonna be the running back. And for any receiver, that's probably the two best things you can ask for.
0: And by the way, who wouldn't want to go to Georgia Tennessee this week and I bet that is a raucous environment. Two top
1: four two top four teams. Yeah. I would two. I would think less of him if he didn't.
0: Yeah, exactly. Top 2 if you're talking AP, but the college football playoff love shaking it up. They love trying to <laughs> escape conversations. So here we are. Uh, speaking of official visits and unofficial visits for that matter, things are starting to take shape for the next Texas home football game that would be in two Saturdays. It is going to be an evening affair against the currently undefeated TCU Horned Frogs. You know, they have weapons all over the field on offense and they will exploit the you know what out of a secondary that isn't staying sound with its assignments. And it sounds like there are going to be a bevy of pass catchers coming in on official visits that weekend, Justin, including a few guys who are currently committed elsewhere right now.
1: Yeah, you know that that's a weekend that's gonna be that that should be a big weekend, simply because one you're playing a top ten team, the crowd will be will be rowdy, especially you know yeah, there, there, There's a little TCU's kind of been the thorn in the last ten years. Mac Brown didn't really have to mess with them too much, but <laughs> 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 Charlie Strong and Tom Herman did, oh. and so Sark's getting getting his second taste of them as well. Uh, you know, there's going to be some good receivers coming in. I think the one that's the most noteworthy is Jaden Greathouse uh, from from Austin Westlake, four star committed to Notre Dame. You know, he's a kid, one of the most productive high school football players in Texas high school history. Uh, certainly, <laughs> he's definitely um, he's just, un, you know, he's one of those kids that just never stops. He's like the Energizer Bunny. And This dude has Three state championship rings, and he's still getting up at 6 a.m. for practice to get ready for a fourth consecutive potential state championship at Westlake. Jaden Greathouse is a great kid, and he—I'll tell you what—the role he fits. This is a guy that Texas, I think, envisions in the Jordan Whittington mold. He can play that inside guy, that H guy, that 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 slot receiver, and, and just be a possession and get open type. Not just in this. Jaden's able to separate. Jaden's able to body people. He's got that basketball skills that translates onto the football field. And, and listen, man, Jaden, like I said, he is just an outstanding kid overall. That's a guy you want in the program.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
1: And it doesn't hurt that half of Westlake winds up playing in Texas, it seems here recently from, you know, Sam Ellinger to obviously Brecken Hager. Now you're dealing with Michael Taff and an in a, in, in a, in a <laughs> I almost said the wrong Boschik. Um, Ethan Burke, his 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 twin, his Siamese twin, Connor Robertson. You've got a ton of these guys that that are helping out in this recruiting process, and so at the end of the day, Texas is still working on on Colton Voshik, the edge from Westlake committed, uh, obviously to OU, and they're still working on Jaden Greathouse and getting him on campus is going to be big because Jaden is very loyal. I think this will be a tough flip. I think this is a tough recruitment overall. But I think the fact that he continues to come back, to think that he's continually interested, and the fact that the team is showing how they'll use him effectively at the next level, he's smart enough to understand the bigger picture. And that might be staying in Austin after all.
0: Another four-star wide receiver from California, DeAndre Moore Jr. will also uh, be visiting the TCU weekend. At least that's the plans right now. Another guy going to Georgia, Tennessee this weekend. And the Cardinals are hanging on for dear life with him right now because the big dogs are coming hard. And that leads to a question from KD35, I am the best. Do you think Texas would take DeAndre Moore and Jaden Greathouse if both are there on visit and say that they want in?
1: No. I think it's one – I think great house is the preference. I think they would be ecstatic with either one. Both are going to be playmakers at the next level, but I don't think this went from a four wide receiver class to a three wide receiver class when Jonah Wilson uh, decommitted. And so I think they would ideally, they would like to take great house and then grab someone from the portal. I think they're going to do that anyway, similar to what they did last year with, with with Nayor and Tariq Milton. Right now, I, I you know I don't rule anything out. There's so many possibilities. As you know, you, you never know with kids moving around. I don't think DeAndre Moore is going to go to Louisville. I think that's a kid that's going to wind up flipping somewhere, whether it's Georgia, whether it's Texas. I, I'm not certain. There could be in there could be Tennessee could jump back in that one for all I know, but or, or, or OU for that matter. But I just know I, I don't see both of them. Uh, Like I said, they'll take either one of them. I I know they love both of them and there's so much upside there, but I I think the preference is Jaden Greathouse or DeAndre Moore, not both.
0: You talked about the Texas coaching staff, perhaps looking in the transfer portal to replace some guys on the defensive line who will be departing after this year, but there are still plenty of big time names that are in the high school cycle right now. And I know we've talked about some of them in the past and Marcus deal who is one of the headliners at defensive line that Texas is still hard after right now. It's a battle between Texas, TCU, and Georgia, but it sounds as if that uh, Texas is going to get that last visit on November 12th. And you know that's kind of been the trend with that recruitment. It's one of those where
1: once you start covering at the beginning, you kind of know to play the long game. Marcus was never going to rush into a decision. His family is very grounded. They know that they're taking this process in a very pragmatic fashion. Uh, Marcus is another great kid. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give Sark a lot of credit. His mental evaluations on these high school kids is, is top-notch. He is really doing well on guys that are not only mentally fit for, this, for the role of playing at Texas, but coming in and playing early. Marcus Steele is one of those guys that I think projects at the, at the next level. Uh, I, I obviously I think he's an offensive lineman but you know what right now he, he he's a guy that you know he, you're gonna have to you know it's offense or defensive line It's gonna be one of those for, for this game for this kid mm-hmm. I think he could do well in either one uh, I think the most upsides obviously on the interior offensive line but if he needs to play the three tech on defense and Bo Davis finds a spot so be it to me Marcus Steele is a take in any class. And the fact that Georgia is pushing for him so late in this cycle to me is the biggest indicator that he's talented because Georgia has surpassed Alabama in the, uh, you know, mammoth size defensive lineman category, headlined by last year by Jordan Davis, who looked like a human Shrek.
0: And one more name that Longhorn fans need to familiarize themselves with is a guy who got an offer from Sark over the weekend. That would be. State of Georgia defensive back Tyler Scott. What can you tell about him? uh, Tell us about him, considering that some of the other schools he's considering are uh, squarely in the heart of SEC country.
1: This is another one of those senior offers. I think when they offered Warren Roberson safety out of Red Oak at the beginning of the season, uh, Roberson committed to TCU over the weekend. And that was a big get for TCU because Roberson is an absolute animal. And Texas is going to absolutely hate playing that kid for the next four years, or preferably maybe just two, one or two per se. Tyler Scott's, I think, the kid they fill in. I think he was the next one up. And not to say that they're going to take another safety in this cycle. I think they, I think they would be set with Derrick Williams being the, the the one true safety, and then you got Jamal Jamal Johnson who can play, or Jamal Johnson who can play. Nickel can play safety as well, but Scott's had an impressive senior year. He's a long kid. He's a kid that I think could maybe project at corner uh, just because of his length and not only that, because of his Twitch. And so he's one of those kind of under the radar type kids that, you know, Texas has been very judicious with their uh, 2023 offers since the season started. They're only looking at a certain few guys that are kind of breaking out for their senior year. Tyler Scott's one of those kids Get him on campus this becomes more real.
0: The last guy we're going to talk about is a dude that uh, I've actually fallen for a little bit since you first discussed him just a few weeks ago. That would be the talented tight end from Arizona, Deuce Robinson. He will be here for the TCU game. It is uh, probably a little bit of an uphill climb for the Longhorns right now, but there's still plenty of time, and Texas does a great job of using the tight end position. And that's something that really has to appeal to him, uh, knowing not just that uh, they put an emphasis on the tight end, really helping to uh, to stir the drink that is this offense, but also just how good the quarterbacks are that Steve Sarkeesian is bringing in now too.
1: That's been the most attractive thing, what you just said, the quarterbacks they're bringing in. Using the tight ends is big. The baseball factor is big because Deuce is a big time high school baseball prospect. That's big. Uh, Jeff Banks is, you know, a hellacious recruiter. Once he gets his claws in, that's a tough recruitment, you know, time after time. Can, is, is there a chance Seth's asking us, is there a chance Texas can get Deuce Robinson? Yeah, there's a chance. Is it likely? No, no, it's not likely. Hmm. Uh, I blame Georgia. Uh, they're turning into a tight end factory. Okay. And not only they have Brock Bowers, who's, who's like a video game. They've got Darnell Robinson, who is like a video game. <laughs> and so they're absolutely, you know, they're, 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 they're getting really good talent at those positions. And I think Deuce Robinson is enamored with that. Not to mention USC is having a good year, especially on the offensive end. He's always kind of had a, a crush on the Trojans as well. And so Texas have a chance with Deuce. Hey, anytime you get a kid on campus, you got a shot, especially this late in the cycle, but is it likely? No, I think they are a distant
0: third behind Georgia and USC. Cameron Parker asks, if we finish the last stretch two and two, what does recruiting look like? What do you think? They sign a top five class.
1: Hmm. It'll be a top five class. They finish two and two. And what puts them at seven to five? They go to a bowl. Yeah. They'll, 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 finish with a top five class. The fact that Arch is so stable in this group is going to adds a lot of, adds a lot of uh, comfort to the rest of this class. That's why I said about Cedric Baxter, he knows who he's playing with. That's why Jonte Cook, he knows who he's playing with. And then you got Malik Muhammad, a kid that just came off a visit to Texas A&M last weekend, caught up with a few sources this afternoon. He's still locked in with his Texas uh, commitment as well. And so, um, Two and two gets you, a, gets you a, a top five recruiting class, in my opinion. Hey, five and seven got you a top five class last year. Uh, they can't do that again. I think that would fall more in the 10-15 range because you'd probably have a couple that would decommit. But two and two, makes that, uh, that basically assures you're getting another top five class. And that's what Sark's trying to do, stack these top fives one after another.
0: If you're watching right now on YouTube, we do appreciate all those thumbs up clicks to let us know that you like the episode. Also, if you haven't already, why are you wasting time? Click that subscribe button, that red subscribe button in the upper right-hand corner. It is the best uh, Texas insider content around and we're cranking it out all day, multiple times per day. Obviously we do great uh, game previews and recaps as well. I mean, it is a seven day a week venture and on that note, we go back to the comment line and uh, see what Bobby Brown has to say. Hopefully, not that Bobby Brown, or maybe hopefully that Bobby Brown.
1: Are you I- kidding me? I hope it's that Bobby Brown. I I love Bobby. I grew up in the '80s, Trey. That's you did too. Bobby Brown. People don't understand. In the mid to late '80s, Bobby Brown was it. If that's Bobby Brown, I'm gonna I, I love it. If it's not, still cool.
0: I just worry about Bobby Brown being up for like four straight days and trying to uh, write in questions on the, uh, the comment line, but this question is lucid. So (laughs) we'll assume that if it is that Bobby Brown,
1: we've had some crazier guests.
0: (laughs) That's true. If I think Texas goes four and O down the stretch, if Quinn lights it up. Yeah, I agree with you. Yes.
1: Yes. That's
0: that's a question right now. By the way,
1: Quinn goes a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. If, if, If Quinn, Quinn was lighting it up before Stillwater. If you if you cancel out Oklahoma State, Quinn's been tremendous this year. But he had one of those stinkers that a lot of young freshman quarterbacks have from time to time. Uh, and so, yeah, they can definitely go. They, these are four winnable games. Four winnable games that controls your own destiny. Four winnable games that potentially gets them in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, if Quinn – if Quinn and those guys can get vertical and they can look like they did a little bit earlier in the year, get that Stillwater game in the rearview mirror, absolutely they can do 4 0. Oh.
0: King Leo95 says, I really like the tape of the new offer at defensive tackle that's committed to West Virginia. What are the chances we steal him away? And by him, he means Justin Benton.
1: I think there's a good chance they could steal him. It's all going to come down to numbers right now. Uh, I think they're pretty set on the interior line, uh, but they still would like to add a couple edge guys, potential DN outside linebackers. Justin Benson's got incredible tape. Uh, this is a kid that's really burst on the scene. He's one that, you know, a lot of times, you know, you see these schools like West Virginia and they find these guys, uh, I believe he's from Georgia. Uh, they find these guys out of nowhere and, and and all of a sudden they they kind of burst on the scene their senior years and, Actually, Texas has been on this kid for a while now. We actually thought this offer would have come sooner because they've been watching him for a few months. Uh, but, yeah, I'm a fan of the offer. Good, good call. And also, I, I do think uh, they, they've got a good chance to, to flip him. Getting him on campus is also going to be uh, – getting him in front of an official is going to be the big
0: the big decision maker there. But I like Texas chances, especially if they push. Rob Emfield asks, so what if Texas loses this weekend? Well, if they lose, that'll be disappointing, but you have to have a short memory because one of the two best teams and arguably the best team in the conference is coming to Austin the following Saturday. So buckle up and get ready because this was already going to be one of, if not the most difficult stretch for Texas heading into the season with Oklahoma State and Kansas State back-to-back on the road. But with what TCU has become this year with Max Duggan at quarterback, all the weapons, they can be had defensively. uh, But the fact that TCU is now the third game on that list. Look, it's nice that you got the bye between Oklahoma State and Kansas State. See, Starkeesian preaches it all the time, and it is especially the case here. You have to have a short memory. Win or lose, by the way, if you win this game this weekend, Don't let it go to your head. Don't let it go to your ego. There's still a job to be done. And even though you might be on the outside looking in right now, there is still a chance that you are playing for a Big 12 championship come early December. But you have to stay focused and you have to take care of business the rest of the way and hope that some other things shake out to your advantage.
1: You know, Rob's one of my guys, man. I I like Rob. He's a big fan at Inside Texas and we're big fans of, of Rob. He's a good dude. Uh, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you. Too, I'm gonna tell you straight, Rob. If Texas loses this weekend, you still have to click at InsideTexas.com on Saturday at night to, to read about why they lost. Then you got to click on Sunday morning to read the grades. Then you got to click on the the postmortems from Scipio because he's gonna drop that. Then you got Coach Venable. He's got thoughts. He's gonna drop on Sunday. So if they lose, you still have a lot of stuff you have to do. You got a checklist of things. Now, granted, if they win, you got to do the same stuff. So it's it's kind of a, a flip flop type of deal. But one game at a time. You got two doses of purple coming up in the next two weeks, and you, let's get past the first one. You know, there's still ghost of the Bill Schneider purple wizard in that place. And don't forget, Kansas State Stadium is directly across the street from a dairy farm, a massive dairy farm. And I think with Quinn Ewers, that's a that's a kid that's grown up in the country a lot of his life. I think he's going to I think he's going to adjust. I think he's going to be better than he was last week. So I don't think we need to be talking about if Texas loses. Rob, just remember, you got to keep clicking it inside Texas. That's the key. That's the key to life
0: love the dairy farm angle. By the way, Rob responded by saying, good thing I'm getting old and my memory is an issue. Yeah, that does help you in a situation like that. Rob is great, people, brother. Appreciate you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, I know you've uh, texted a couple different things. Uh, Let me ask you about this. This wavers away from the Longhorns just a little bit. But Rob also asked who you think or who we think the next coach at Auburn is going to be. And I know the name was mentioned in this stream Matt Rule has got to be an intriguing hire for just about any college program right now. I realize things went really sideways for him in the NFL, but he's one of those Greg Schiano types who needs a ton of control over that program. That doesn't work professionally. That does work a little bit better at the college game. So Matt Rule is someone worth considering. I know Lane Kiffin's name has been kicked around a little bit this week that he might make the jump from Ole Miss to Auburn. So those are two names to keep an eye on. Anybody else that's off the top of your head now, Justin?
1: You know, it's funny. Um, I got somebody that's a little close to to Rule in his situation, and I had been hearing Nebraska with Rule for a while, even before he was fired. And so, I think Matt Rule is going to have his his choice. You're right. That that to me is a guy that uh, he's a college lifer all the way. Yeah. And, and but if I if I'm him, do I want Auburn? I mean that that's going to be it's going to be one of those pick your poison type yeah. situations. With, with that job just because of who's in this, who you share the state with, who you share the division with. Um, I swear to God, Nick Saban's going to coach there forever. And so if you're an Auburn booster, you have to be thinking that way. At least yeah. uh, Matt rule is a guy with money whip, especially at the college level That's some guy I would definitely look forward to. And then you've got some of the younger up and coming ones that like to me, Lane Kiffin doesn't make a lot of sense. I think he's happy in Oxford i don't think that i don't the added responsibility with maybe a little bit more money i don't think that really makes sense uh but you know auburn's gonna have to go big on this one what's the figure that they've paid their last three coaches to buy them out it's like what 40 something million dollars i think auburn's paid more to buy out their coaches than what all the teams in the big 12 are going to be getting per year in their new deal with fox i mean it's like that and so um, man, that's an interesting question. I like that Cadillac-Williams is the interim. I,
0: I dig like that, it. too.
1: Because if you look at the last, like, 12 head coaches Auburn's had, only one that's ever scored touchdowns is Cadillac-Williams. Hmm. I mean, if that's not a barometer for success, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah, um, they're during that vicious cycle that Texas, Tennessee, and a number of other programs have found themselves in over the last 10-plus years now where – You maybe give a guy a big contract to begin with or an extension after a a season or two of success, and you realize two years later he's not the guy, and you're just paying an exorbitant amount to have him go away. And you're paying the staff to go away. And you're hiring the
1: new staff, which you're going to pay handsomely, when you bring them on as well. It's the crazy carousel of college football coaching. You follow flight tracker. (laughs) It's uh, it, it's so I can't wait to see what it looks like, because Auburn, I think, is going to lose a handful of the recruits in their class. And so the, the quicker they move, the more we're going to see chess pieces basically moved around to see kind of how they finish up their cycle. But right now, I, I, I like your Matt Rule choice. Um, I think Nebraska fits him a little bit better. I think he's more of a Midwestern type anyway. He's got kind of a Big Ten feel to him. If you want to, you know, I felt like Baylor was kind of in that mold a little bit. Um, But, yeah,
0: whoever wants to take on hell, yeah, go call Auburn because they're they're, uh, hiring. God, if I never have to look at another flight tracker, it'll be entirely too soon, Justin. I'm anti-flight tracker. I'm
1: anti-offensive coordinator flight tracker. I'm anti-offensive coordinator bringing his offensive lineman
0: flight tracker. Yeah, I'm uh, anti-president, athletics director, and head coach, having to take a late flight from Austin to, where was it, Tulsa, Oklahoma, to try and land an O.C. Yeah, exactly. Gotta
1: go go get Sterling Gilbert and Matt
0: Maddox. Yeah, exactly. One more question from Justin Yarbo. Uh, Justin, is there any other big guys on the DL Texas could look at, and do we start to see more young guys step up, and who would you say those guys are?
1: Uh, it's hard for the young guys to step up. Justin, outstanding name, by the way, brother. It's hard for other guys to step up when you've got so much seniority playing in those spots right now in the current Texas defensive line. Uh, and then not to mention your best young lineman has basically been starting since last year, uh, Byron Murphy. And so, uh, you know, there, there's some guys down there. It's going to be interesting to see how that position comes to fruition this spring. I think we're going to see a lot of movement you going to, have, I think you may have a couple in the portal. I think you may have, it's definitely going to be a position that they look in the portal to, to get. Um, if there's one guy, obviously Alfred Collins has the most upside, I think of, of, of all of them. Um, but I've really, I've become a big fan of Vernon Broughton. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen Broughton on tape more in the last few weeks. I've seen him flash a little bit more. Um, of course, I think he one, I think he was the only one that bit on the Spencer Sanders scramble in the fourth quarter last Saturday. But that's a kid that I really like his upside. I, I think you're seeing more and more of him. Um, like I said, Alfred Collins kind of goes without saying, He and he's flashed as well. He just he can't help it with his size. But right now I'm going with uh, – I like Vernon Broughton. I think that's a kid that uh, – that's going to be a guy that they will probably rely on next year. And if Byron Murphy can continue his trajectory, that's an NFL D lineman all day long.
0: All right, as promised, we are going to finish with some college football uh, rankings chatter. It was funny to watch them release the top 10 a little bit earlier this evening. I missed the fact that Texas was ranked 24. I just didn't think it was possible. Sure enough, it is. Uh, Just ignore that, Texas. It doesn't mean anything one way or the other. But it was amusing to me to hear Kirk Herbstreet and some of these other guys try to care and at times make little effort to actually care about these very first rankings where I think at one point Herbstreet said, look, if this is three weeks down the road, I might care a little bit more about this. But right now there's still uh, a lot of things that have to play out. But if we're talking about TCU in the big 12 TCU, maybe in a sense did get screwed just a little bit because even though they're undefeated, they're behind uh, Alabama right now, TCU at eight, Alabama at seven.
1: That's not a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. A lot of these times, these are popularity contests. Right. And if you were to put Alabama and TCU on a neutral field, I bet Vegas would give. I bet Vegas would wind up giving TCU a touchdown, probably five, six points, if not more. Um, I think that's the difference. I think that's why you've got Alabama up there now. Like Kirk Herbstreit said, this thing's going to play out. You still right. got divisional games. You still have a lot to to happen. But to counter what you said opening about, you know, Texas is ranked 24th. We didn't really expect it, except for our trusty uh, editor, Joe Cook. He he, for some reason, he had this vision that it could happen because he had a story out like a second after it did. I don't know how he does that, but it's amazing. And so uh, I think he gets it from Kilner. But at the end of the day, um, be happy being ranked. That means you're that means you've got a little bit of respect. Among these guys that are that are doing the voting, it means you. People are paying a little bit of attention. It's okay. Just understand you want to be ranked higher. Just understand you go in to Kansas State and take care of business. You'll you'll be ranked higher. Just understand. Hey, that's the world we live in now. This this ranking show feels like
0: uh, uh, it feels like a spectacle. It's contrived. It like, That's exactly what it is. It's contrived.
1: Yeah, yeah. And to me, there was there was a really cool, there was a coolness with March Madness with the Selection Sunday, because you knew that was kind of coming and you knew all the buildup and you saw the, the the play and all that. This to me, it's not organic, and so it's not as cool. Uh, it's it's more for show. It's more for the spectacle just Texas just knows it doesn't really matter what you rank right now in in the college football playoff. The fact that you are, you're getting some respect uh, across the voters, but understand um, it only matters, uh, you know, what you do on Saturday against Kansas state. I didn't see where Kansas state was ranked. I want to say they were in the teens that you have in front of you.
0: I'm trying to click on it, but every time I click on something, uh, ESPN makes me play a video. So it's probably a bunch of
1: Texas fans clicking because they're ranked.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or it's a bunch of
1: A&M fans clicking to see if they are ranked. Because even at three and five, you could still get ranked if you ask them.
0: Three Aggie teams in FBS. I saw this on Twitter earlier in the week, and kudos to whoever pulled this stat out. There are three FBS teams that have an Aggie mascot. All three, I believe, are three and five right now. So New,
1: Mexico, New Mexico State. Yep. Texas A&M. Is it Utah State?
0: That may be it. Let's see.
1: I'm trying to think who the third one would be. That's my guess.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not finding it right now, but it was uh, still amusing that uh, a A&M is squarely where all the other Aggies uh, are in this country, the other two teams that call themselves Aggies. Let's see, New Mexico State. Yeah, I'm not going to find it here. Utah State um, Aggies. I nailed it. Thank you. Three for three. Uh, so Victor Abundis, you are three for three. I live in Kansas City. The Kansas State uh, Wildcats remind me of Chiefs Kingdom. They're fired up to beat Texas. When I done some job of in Manhattan for most of this century, listen.
1: One of the games I went to cover in Manhattan one time. Okay. First off, I get, I get, I get out. And the fans are tremendous. The parking is easy. And for somebody in our job, that is huge. The parking is easy. The fans are bringing you into their tailgates, inviting you for food. Here, take this, try this. We're so happy to see you. It's really a cool atmosphere, okay? You get into the stadium. They're pretty loud. There's, it's 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 not what I would call, you know, over-the-top crazy that you may see in some SEC locations. But it's a great for their size, it's just right, and it gets it gets loud, and it's. And they've done some renovations on that place in the last five to ten years. It looks really good. I think they they they've done a good job, and they have something to be proud of. At the end of the game, when you leave, the fans are still out there wanting to feed you. they're, they're still wanting to. They're still and they're wearing shirts. I'll never forget someone tried to give gave me a shirt that said "We mess with Texas," and it's a big purple shirt with a big wildcat on it. And I took it just to be polite. Um, But the coolest thing I remember about the end of the games in Manhattan is the football field becomes a giant family playground. Hmm. And I always thought, can you imagine if DKR, if they would let their family come down and and kind of the kids, coaches, kids, they play a little football, you know, just throwing the ball around, you know, the, the mothers are with the, 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 the other players, parents and, it's so, when it says Bill Schneider Family Stadium, they are not lying. It is a family atmosphere. And I think that's it's one of the cooler atmospheres in college football because when you cover these games, most of the time people clear the, the field. They don't want you on the field when the game's over and they do their best to kind of to get all that, all that off so they can clean it. Whereas at Kansas State, they invite all the kids down there. And it's just a bunch of little kids throwing the football to each other, a bunch of family members hanging out. And so – yeah. I like Kansas state. It's, it's a great, it's a great atmosphere and to beat Texas, buddy, they love to beat Texas. I got a
0: shirt to prove it. Texas used to do that at Memorial stadium. I want to say it was a 1980s thing, but once they yeah. started to renovate it and make it better, bigger, it was no longer feasible, but uh, there is definitely uh you gotta have NASA
1: clearance to get down there
0: now. Yeah, exactly. Yes, you do. And it's a, uh, I don't know about you, but the uh, luster never wears off for me when I find myself on the field during a football game. It is still as cool as the first time I set foot on Texas Stadium. I don't need a Cowboys fan, but when I was a kid, one of my brothers had a birthday party at Texas Stadium. That was awesome, and it still is.
1: Man, yeah, the sideline is where it's at. Just because if I were to tell anybody that hasn't seen it, the game is so intense at mm-hmm. the college level on that sideline. It's so violent and intense. There's so much going on. It's at all times. Yeah, it's it's a trip down there. I I miss that part of it. Uh, obviously, I you know, I do the high school stuff, but I I miss going down there on the sidelines a lot of times and covering those games, and taking pictures, just because, man, it's it's intense down there. I mean, it's the fourth it's usually the fourth quarter of a close game. It's 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 crazy. I'll never forget being down there for Texas and Notre Dame when the mm-hmm. Fighting Irish came to Austin in 2016, and uh, you damn near get trampled uh, by the players because everybody rushed to the end zone to jump on Tyrone Swoops. I'll never forget Brandon Jones damn near piggybacking uh, to get there. And those are good times. Those are good memories. Um, that's 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 Kansas State's good at that. They, uh, they 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 embrace that.
0: Ski Breck is asking. Is Martinez going to play on Saturday? That's TBD right now. But guess what? As soon as we know, you will know as well. Make sure to stay tuned at InsideTexas.com and also Inside Texas YouTube channel on Texas football. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the channel. And please do hit that thumbs up button if you liked what Justin and I have done over the past hour. Justin, always a pleasure. Talk to you next week, man. Hey, nothing but love. For Justin Wells, I am Trey Elling. You are watching On Texas Football. Have yourselves a great rest of the week and hook them.